buddy. Um, you've now had two years to practice your interested faces from behind the masks. So I should have offered a prize for the most interested face at the end of the sermon. Um, as, as Pete's mentioned, uh, today's Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday before Easter. For Jesus, it was the Sunday before his death and resurrection. It's one of the few episodes from the life of the Lord Jesus that's recorded in all four of the Gospels. We've read from Matthew, and we're going to pick up the story in John's Gospel, chapter 12, and then also from Luke, chapter 19. So let's read some verses, first of all, from John's Gospel, chapter 12. Uh, Verse 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. And now just back to Luke chapter 19. And we're going to pick up Luke's narrative from verse 41. Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. And when Jesus drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. May God bless his word. Let's just pray. Father God, how great are you? How great is King Jesus? Father, we just pray as we open and study your word that you would speak into our lives now. Fill our vision with the glory of Christ, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you notice from our two passages the very different emotions at play on Palm Sunday? In in John chapter 12, there is a note of triumph building amongst the crowds as Jesus draws nearer to Jerusalem. 
But within Jesus, there is a very different emotion. We didn't read the verse, but look at what Jesus says in verse 27 of John chapter 12. He says, now is my soul troubled. You see, Jesus knows as he approaches Jerusalem that this same city will put him to death. Earlier, Jesus described Jerusalem as the city that kills the prophets. They have already rejected him in their hearts. And by the time the week is out, Jesus will hang on a cross outside the city wall. His crucifixion just days away. His hour had come. Look at verse 23. Jesus answered them. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. His hour has come. And in Luke chapter 19, this troubled Jesus As he draws near to the city, he he weeps, he sobs, not for himself, but for the city. So this Palm Sunday, we're going to think about the triumph and the tears of the king. The triumph and the tears. And there should be, yeah, a slide behind me just to set that out. Let's look at the triumph of the king in John chapter 12. John says the next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. It's Passover time, the feast of Passover. Jews had traveled from all over the country, indeed from from further afield, from, from other countries. They had traveled, they had descended en masse in Jerusalem to keep the Passover. Historians tell us that the population of Jerusalem could treble at Passover time. Historians have estimated somewhere between a million and three million visitors would descend on Jerusalem at this time. And at the end of this week, Passover would be celebrated. The Passover lamb would be killed. Households would gather together to eat the Passover feast. This year, Passover had an added excitement. Look at chapter 11. Uh, Verse 55. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand. And many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus. And saying to one another as they stood in the temple. What do you think? That he will not come to the feast at all? People were hoping that Jesus would come into the city. You see, Jesus had recently performed a miracle that the whole city and the whole surrounding region was buzzing about. It was a miracle that clearly demonstrated that Jesus was no mere man. He was God. That Jesus had power over death. 
that in the village of Bethany, just a couple of miles away from Jerusalem, in front of crowds, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus had been dead over four days, his body beginning to decay, and Jesus called him to life out of the tomb. He had power over death. The empty tomb of Easter reminds us that death could not hold Jesus Christ. It was a miracle so powerful, so undeniable that many of the Jews were beginning to follow after Jesus. This was causing great concern amongst the Jewish religious leaders. Look at verse 19 of John chapter 12. The Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. It was literally true. People had descended and traveled from all over to come to Jerusalem. They were looking for Jesus. Look at chapter 11. Verse 53, after Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, so from that day on they made plans to put him to death. Look at verse 10 of chapter 12, so the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. But here is Jesus making his way down the Mount of Olives towards the city of Jerusalem, surrounded by crowds. Crowds are following him. Crowds that had witnessed the resurrection of of Lazarus from the grave. Look at verse 17. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. And there are crowds coming from Jerusalem. They are coming to meet Jesus as he makes his way down the Mount of Olives. Look at verse 19, 18, sorry. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. And what are these crowds doing? Some have cut down branches of palm trees. Pete read to us from from Matthew's gospel. Others uh, took off their robes, their cloaks, and and they laid the the palm branches and they laid the robes in, in front of the path of Jesus. They were building an impromptu red carpet to welcome the king as he approached his capital city. You go back to the Old Testament and in 2 Kings chapter 9, you read about a king of Israel, the king Jehu. And when he was made king, we read in 2 Kings chapter 9 that every man took his garment and put it under Jehu's feet as he walked. What were they doing? It was an act of homage. We are, we are putting ourselves under your authority, Jehu. We are submitting completely to you. It's exactly what the crowds were doing here to King Jesus as he came riding into Jerusalem. And the palm branches. Palm branches were often used in processions on public occasions for attending kings. Or victorious generals as they were returning to the city from battle. Revelation chapter 7, John uh, looks to the future 
The revelation that he has given from Jesus about the future and he sees that great multitude drawn from every nation standing in heaven before the throne of the Lamb. They are clothed in white robes and what do they have in their hands? Palm branches. And they worship Jesus, the Lamb of God. Saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And just listen to what the crowds cry out to Jesus as he approaches the city. Hosanna. Hosanna. It means save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. They are recognizing Jesus as the King of Israel, their Messiah. Come to deliver them. Save us now, they cry. And here is Jesus in verse 14. He is riding on a young donkey. He is unmistakably fulfilling a prophecy from Zechariah 9 in the Old Testament. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. It's the king's colt. Fear not, the king is coming. Again in 1 Kings chapter 1, when Solomon was made king, David ordered him to ride on the king's mule. This is the king's colt. In times of war, the kings rode on horses, but in times of peace, they rode on a mule. And here is Jesus, the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace. He comes to Jerusalem and he comes in peace and he comes to bring salvation. This is the triumph of Palm Sunday. The crowds are wild with excitement as King Jesus approaches. But we need to dig deeper. We need to get under the surface of all this excitement and adulation. Because this praise is superficial. And Jesus knows it. You see, Jesus is not the kind of king that the people expected or wanted. Jesus hadn't come to fight or to overthrow the Romans. Jesus hadn't come to bring back self-rule for Israel. This wasn't how Jesus would save them. This king had come to die. To die a criminal's death upon a cross. This king had come to wear a crown of thorns. This king had come to save them from their sins, not from the Romans. Jesus was the true Passover lamb. He was the lamb of God bearing away the sin of the world. And at the end of the week, as Jesus hung upon that cross, God would lay upon him our sins. The judgment that we deserve would be borne by Jesus Christ, King Jesus, on that cross. And as Jesus comes to his people, as he comes to his city, he offers salvation. He offers peace with God through his sacrifice. And so now we pick up the story in Luke chapter 19. 
And from the triumph we now have the tears. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Because they did not know the time of their visitation. If you've ever visited Jerusalem, um, you can visit the very place where supposedly Jesus wept over the city. Um, as if by magic. Um, <clears throat> they built a church there. And it's in the shape of a, a teardrop. Uh, it's called Dominus Flevit, the, the Lord Weeps. And this is a picture from our last family holiday before uh, the pandemic. And this is the view from where Jesus wept over the city. Now the first time I visited um, this place, I was a teenager. It was a very different holiday. I was backpacking for a couple of weeks um, around Israel. And we wanted to spend the night on the Mount of Olives um, and watch the sunrise come up over the city. And so we did a very stupid thing. I'm ashamed to say that we we snuck in to the gardens of the the teardrop church. And in the early hours of the morning, we climbed over the the garden wall. I can still remember the broken glass on the top of the wall. Obviously not an invitation to come into the garden, but we did it. And uh, thankfully we went undetected. And uh, it was a stupid thing to do. but, But the sunrise that morning over the city of Jerusalem. Wow. The whole of the city just sweeps into view. You you can see it here. You are looking directly over to the temple mount. This is the view Jesus would have seen. Looking over to the temple. With the city just sprawling out around it. But there's no temple there now. There's a mosque. Uh, The dome of the rock, you can see it, the the golden dome, it dominates the view. And it's testament to the words of Jesus here in Luke chapter 19. Jesus knew that the city, the people had rejected him. And yet he comes. With his arms extended wide, he comes in loving mercy. He comes offering his terms of peace. Look at verse 42 of Luke 19. Jesus says, would that you, even you had known on this day the things that make for peace. But they weren't interested. Jesus knows that judgment will come upon this city. Look at verse 43. For the days will come upon you. When your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. And tear you down to the ground. You and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you. What Jesus said here came to pass some 40 years later. AD 70 the Roman Emperor Titus destroyed the city. He built A wall around the city. He besieged it. He cut off all supplies into the city. Sadly we see the same horrific tactics being deployed today by the Russians. 
in their attempt to, to, to take control of the cities of Ukraine. Titus then set the temple on fire. He, he completely destroyed it, literally not leaving one stone upon another. Some have suggested the Romans did this because, because the gold had melted uh, in the heat of the fire between the stones. And eventually the Romans, they drew a plow across the temple mount. It was gone, obliterated. And as the vista of the city comes into Jesus' sight, as he sees the temple, knowing what will become of the city, knowing what will happen to its people, he weeps over it. He sobs. Not just a few tears, he sobs, he weeps over the city. And as he weeps, Jesus says, You did not know the time of your visitation. I came to you in mercy, offering you peace with God. I came to save you. I I came to answer your cries, Hosanna, save us now. But you wouldn't come. Earlier in Luke chapter 13. uh, Jesus cries. Oh Jerusalem. Jerusalem the city that kills the prophets. How often would I have gathered your children together. As a hen gathers her her brood under her wings. But you were not willing. You, You wouldn't come to me. They didn't want the love and protection. From sheltering under the wings of Jesus. They didn't know the time of his visitation. God had visited his people. Not just on Palm Sunday. But every day Jesus had walked amongst them. God had visited his people in Jesus Christ. To save them. To redeem them. And they didn't recognize him. You know this word visitation. It's an interesting word. It's the same word that's translated elsewhere in the Bible. As overseer. Or or bishop. Or elder. And it means so much more than just to visit. It actually means God's overseeing care. And his offer of help for his people. Let me just give you an illustration. Um, Back in 1966, a terrible tragedy shocked this nation. And it happened in the Welsh mining village of Aberfan. Some of you, maybe some of the older ones may remember this, this incident. It was before my time. But above the village, you can see it on the, my right hand side. Above the village of Aberfan towered a 150,000 foot ton coal slag heap. Where the waste from the process of mining the coal was dumped. And after weeks of heavy rain, the heap began to move. And it became unstable until it finally collapsed. And it sent down a a deadly avalanche of black waste onto the village below. 
And directly in its path there stood a school full of school children. Which took the full force of the landslide. 144 people were killed including 116 children. There then followed a period of national mourning. Now the queen at first decided not to visit the village of Aberfan. And she sent a message of condolence along with Prince Philip who went to visit the village on his own. Her decision did not go down well. There was a national outcry. And eventually after some days of pressure, she decided to to go and visit the village personally herself. The queen has since said that her delay in visiting the village was one of the biggest regrets of her reign. But when she did eventually visit Aberfan, it was remembered for being the first time the queen ever shed tears in public. You see, she she just wasn't visiting the village. She was entering into the grief of the people of Aberfan. It was their day of visitation. And many years later, the 50th anniversary of the disaster, some of the the relatives of of those who had been killed were interviewed and, and they remarked on how much the Queen's visitation had meant to them during those dark days. It showed she cared for us, said one. She was with us in our grief. Some even remembered the image of the queen walking through the mud of the village and getting her fine shoes all dirty. She identified with us. This gives you something of the meaning of the word visitation. It's the love, the care, the offer of help from the king. And on Palm Sunday, we remember the King of Kings. We remember his visitation to Jerusalem. But more than Jerusalem, as Easter approaches, we remember his visitation to all mankind. A visitation that showed the love and care of God for us all. Where at the end of this week, Jesus would die on the cross to save us from our sins. His visitation shows that God was prepared to identify with us in becoming a man as Jesus Christ. That Jesus was prepared to leave the glory of heaven and he was prepared to live and walk in the mud of Israel. His visitation shows that Jesus cares for you. That Jesus loved you so much he was prepared to die that awful death to save you from your sins. And he longs for you to come to him, to know the shelter of his wings, to lovingly serve him as your king. And his visitation shows the pain that Jesus feels when people reject him. When people shun his offer of salvation. 
Because Jesus knows the judgment that lies ahead for those who choose to reject him. And so for you today, this is your visitation. Jesus is here today. King Jesus is here in Aberdeen. He's here in Summer Street. He, the King is here. He is right here in this place. We worship him today. This is your day of visitation. God is visiting you in Jesus Christ and he offers you his terms of peace. What are they? Well, like those in the crowds who took off their cloaks, their robes, and placed them under Jesus as he approached the city. Like, like the men who took off their robes and placed them under the feet of King Jehu and, and said to Jehu, we will serve you, we will place ourselves under your authority. That's exactly what King Jesus demands of each one of us. That you submit to him. That you place your life before him. That you trust him. And that you serve him as the king of kings. King of kings. Majesty. God of heaven. Living in me. Gentle savior. Closest friend. Strong deliverer. Beginning and end. All within me falls at your throne. Your majesty. I can but bow. I lay my all before you now. In royal robes I don't deserve. I live to serve your majesty. Are you serving the king? Have you laid your all before the king? I'm going to close in prayer. And then we're going to sing that hymn together. King of kings, majesty. Let's just close in prayer. Father God, we thank you today for King Jesus. We thank you that he is king of kings. And Lord of Lords, we thank you that there is coming a day when every knee shall bow before him, that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you for his visitation. Thank you that he came to where we are. Thank you for the king's willingness to serve Thank you for the sacrifice of the king on the cross. Thank you for your salvation and for your offer of peace. Father, we just ask that you would fill our vision today with the glory of the king. Pray that you would speak into our lives, that we would lay our all before King Jesus and serve him. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the King, and we give you our worship in Jesus' name. Amen.